Good morning, everyone. Another beautiful Sabbath. A little cooler than normally, and I'm ready for the cooler weather. We're supposed to get some more rain tonight and tomorrow, which is good news. My lawn is getting pretty dry. And the garden also was getting very dry. Today, I'd like for us to turn to Matthew, the 24th chapter. Here again, as we've mentioned in times past, we're going to get the subject of our thoughts today. The 24th chapter of Matthew is a pathetical chapter. It was in the future of the church, but considerable amount of it is in our past. The four part of it is in our past. But there's still things in this chapter that are still in our future. Let us notice verse 41, where it says, Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. A casual reading of this verse, we might get the impression that it just refers to the day of judgment. For if you read uh, the 40th verse, it says, Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. That definitely does refer to the time of the judgment. Two kinds of people, one is righteous and one is not righteous. But when we get it to verse 41, these two women, there is something different that it's alluding to. Not just primarily to the judgment, but what the two women are doing. And we're going to mention that a little later on in our sermon today. But who are these two women? Who do they represent is our main concern today. The Bible does tell us, I do believe. Let us go to the book of Revelation, the 12th chapter. Revelation, the 12th chapter. Here we find, I do believe, one of the women that it has reference to. It says in the first verse, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. Here is a woman that it mentions clothed with the sun. First of all, the woman here, John sees here, we could get the impression in heaven. Now, there's never been a woman in heaven as far as the throne of God is concerned. So it's talking about symbolic terms. The thing is something is happening here on earth. A woman 
And a woman in prophecy refers, represents a church. This woman here is clothed with the sun. The sun representing righteousness. You go, go back to Malachi, the fourth chapter, and you'll find there, referring to Christ, the son of righteousness. And it's spelled S-U-N, the son of righteousness. The woman here is clothed in righteousness. So one of the women at the meal is a righteous church. It says the moon is under her feet. Here again, when one object in a verse is symbolic, the whole verse is symbolic. A moon or the moon does not have no light of itself. All the light that it shed is what it reflects. The sun, even though that it's dark and sun is somewhere else, it's reflecting on the moon and that light is re being reflected to us. Here the woman has the moon under her feet. To me, I do believe very strongly this has reference to the law of Moses. The law of Moses has no light of itself. All the light that it has is that it reflects Christ, pointing toward Christ. The moon on her feet indicates that the law of Moses has come to an end. Something new is being established. Something new begins, is a beginning. The crown of 12 stars. The church started out with the 12 apostles. When you go down to the verse 6, it says, And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. This was the head of the church when John wrote, It's in our past. Although a lot of preachers try to put it into the future, the, the, uh, um, the false Christ is going to rise and rule the world and take away our freedom and so forth. But I do not support that, that teaching. God is providing for the church. She flees into the wilderness. And God feeds her there, provides for her. But getting back to our thoughts, the woman here represents the church, the righteous church, God's church. And if you please, the Bible refers to her as the church of God. But there's another verb, another woman that is mentioned in Revelation 17. Revelation 17, beginning with verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels. 
There came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Here is another woman, a different kind of a woman. She is an impure woman, representing, again, a church. But it's not God's church. It's a false church. In history, we could refer this woman here to the Catholic Church. In verse 2 it says, Whom the kings of the earth have committed fornications, having relations with. Not a physical relationship, but a spiritual relationship. And the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. The wine here having reference to false doctrines. They are drunk. And brethren, when you see someone who is intoxicated with liquor, can you reason with him? You can't reason with him because his mind is not functioning correctly. And so it is when someone is drunk with false teaching, you can't reason with them. Their mind is set. I was somewhat amazed. As I tell you, I listen to a certain station all the time when I'm driving my car. It has a lot of uh, um, commentators, programs on the on the radio, or the radio is owned by the family, the American Family Association. And this one commentator, he's a minister, and every once in a while someone will call in and ask him concerning the commandments about the Sabbath. And he said, says and explains, my Sabbath is in the Lord. He's my Sabbath. He's my rest. And there's no changing him. There's no reasoning with him. His mind is set. So these are the two women, I do believe, that Christ is referring to. In your remembrance of the first verse that I read, what are they doing? They're working in a mill, grinding out food. <clears throat> They're active. They are producing something. The meals representing the gospel. But one is producing the true gospel and one is producing a false gospel. 
These are the two women I do believe that Christ is talking about, is referring to. One is going to be taken when the Lord comes. The Bible says we rise to meet him in the air. But the other is left behind to be destroyed. It, to me, is so important, brethren, what we believe, what we practice, how we worship or don't worship. Because these two women are grinding at the mill, working at the mill, grinding out food, spiritual food for the people partake of. Notice First Peter, the first chapter. First Peter, the first chapter in the 23rd verse. Twenty-third verse. I'm sorry. First Peter, the first chapter, and twenty-third verse. Peter says, and referring to the church, he says, "Being born again, being born again, not of corruptible seed, not of the corruptible gospel, but of incorruptible." By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. One of these women is putting out corruptible seed, corruptible word, has no food value to it. The other is putting out incorruptible seed. And it's important as to which of these are we born of, being born again. Peter says, we're being born again, not of corruptible seed. Not of the seed of which the mill is putting out or from the woman that is putting out the corruptible seed. The, bio, the, the scriptures tells us to study that we might show ourselves approved unto God. We cannot just take one scripture and base our whole future on it. We have to go to other churches and put them all together and we see a complete picture of the lesson that God wants us to know and understand. Being born again, not of corruptible seed. Jesus, when he was here, he spoke of our subject. In Matthew, the 16th chapter, here he's speaking about a parable. Matthew 16. First of all, verse 6. 
Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leavening of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Leavening is food that we eat. It's in bread. Bread was a staff of life. And when you read on, we don't have time to read all the scriptures in, in between the verse that I'm going to use next. But you, you see that he's talking about food that they are part of, had eaten in the past. About feeding the four, the seven, the four thousand from the seven loaves and the few fishes. But when we get down to the 11th verse, Jesus said, How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning the bread that you should beware of the left, concerning bread, that you should beware of the leavening of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Then understood, then understood, they how he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine, the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Here again, he says, beware from, wh from which meal that you're partaking from. Which woman is feeding you? Which woman are you partaking of the seed that comes that has been ground up for your digestion? The church that explain, is explaining to you what you ought or not ought to believe. These two women in the scripture are so important to our salvation. It, I know that that is a narrow-minded observation of the word of God. But brethren, the scriptures are narrow-minded. It's not broad to where it takes in everyone. In fact, Christ said, narrow is the way. Narrow is the way and few there be that find it. But broad is the way and many is going to go in thereat. So Christ is telling them, beware of the leavening of, of the doctrine of the Pharisees and doctrines. And we need to be careful too today. Far too many times, brethren, I've seen in my ministry people who become disgruntled over the church Someone just didn't treat them right. Something was said that upset them or something was done that upset them. What do they do? They leave the church and start attending the first day church. That's why that I speak these things to us.
all of us. When I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking also to myself, reminding myself that there's only one way into the kingdom of God. And so Paul tells, or excuse me, Peter tells us that we're born of the incorruptible seed. And Jesus tells his disciples, be careful about the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Our wives, when they go to the grocery store, are very careful about what they buy. They read the labels. They want to know what's in the food. Because a lot of the food is nothing but sugar. Or it might have something else in which they don't, don't want to feed their family. They want their family to be healthy and strong. And so they want to buy food that's good for them. Brethren, if we were so careful about reading the labels on our food, don't, we, don't you think we ought to be careful about reading the scriptures? That we would read the labels on the false teachings? Be careful. Be careful what you listen to and accept. Acts the 20th chapter. On the day of Pentecost, we find a great spiritual awakening. And so Luke writes about, I did, didn't look back to see in my mind as to who he was referring to, whether it was Peter or just who it was, but in the 28th verse, who it is that he's quoting here in this chapter, he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Now notice now, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. I tell you, brethren, the ministry is going to give an account in the day of judgment for what they preached or did not preach. And that's why I am concerned. Ezekiel tells us, I believe it's the third chapter. Ezekiel, God told Ezekiel, he says, Son of man, warn the people. And if you don't warn them, they shall die. But their blood is going to be on your hands. The ministry, whether it's in the church of God or otherwise, should realize his responsibility as he stands in the pulpit. For Luke here, whoever he might be quoting, he says, Feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. God expects us to take care of the church of God, to lead the people 
that they are feed the people, that they would remain spiritually strong. And so there are two women grinding at the mill, producing food that comes from the mill to feed the people. One church is, is, is an immoral church, unrighteous. So we should be concerned as to which one we're feeding from. Since both of these ch churches are producing food for the people to eat, who's ahead? Can we read the scriptures and tell who's ahead? Turn, let's go back to the 17th chapter of Revelation that I just read what ago. In the first verse, you'll notice he says, And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show thee the judgment of the great whore, notice, that sitteth upon many waters. Sitteth upon many waters. What does the waters represent in verse 15? He says, And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. This false church's influence is worldwide is worldwide, has a great following. Again, as we read the scriptures, you'll find that the true, true church of God, few there be that find it. Few that be that find it. But here, the false church is way ahead. Notice in verse 5, And upon their forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, mother of other churches. You notice here that the daughters is just as immoral as the mother is. As the mother is. And as I read this, I cannot think of anything that has happened in this world that fits us any clearer than the Reformation. Than the Reformation. When the Lutheran Church and Martin Luther and all the others begin to come out, establish their own churches, but they brought the false doctrines with them. I know this is not politically correct to say this. I realize that. But again, remember, it's the scriptures that's saying it, not I. Mother of harlots. We need to be careful as to what church we are a part of. 
When Christ was here, he was asking his disciples, who to say that the Son of Man is or who, who I am? No, I think it was another instance. Christ, it was when Christ said that you must eat and drink my body. Many of them couldn't accept that. They thought he was referring to cannibalism. But he's talking about spiritually. And they left him. And Jesus turned to his disciples. He says, are you going to leave too? Peter says, Lord, where can we go? Where can we go? Thou hast the words of life. Now the church doesn't always do what I would like for it to do. And if I was doing it, I, I could do much better. Huh. Or I think I could. That's human. But there is no place, no other place that I can go, brethren. I do believe that this is the church that the Bible speaks about that's putting out the true and the wonderful, delicious gospel. I love the word. I love the teachings of the church. I love the doctrines of the church. And it is spiritual food that will keep us strong if we just hold to it. And I hope and pray that I will not allow something that people might say or do to cause me, cause me to have hurt feelings and leave the church. For I'm like Peter, where can I go? Where can I go? But still, who's ahead? Who's ahead? Turn to Galatians, the fourth chapter. Galatians, the fourth chapter. The Apostle Paul writes here in the fourth chapter, beginning the 27th verse. He says, For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry thou that travailest not. Notice now, for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. The desolate has many more children than she which hath the husband. Only one church is truly betrothed to Christ when he comes. The other one is desolate. She has no one in which she is betrothed to. She claims to have someone in which she's betrothed to, but does, that does not make it so. Verse 28, now we, brethren, 
as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Notice, even so it is now. The true church, the church of God in the scriptures is persecuted by the one who has no one that she is betrothed to. Because only the one that's following the scriptures has a right to say that she's betrothed to Christ when he comes. We are being persecuted today. And as we look back in history through the dark ages, how that the Catholic Church put to death God's people who kept the commandments of God and kept the faith of Jesus. Yes, the false church is ahead. Isaiah, the fourth chapter. Isaiah, the fourth chapter. There's something here which to me is so profound. Is so profound. Isaiah 4, the first verse. In that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread, we'll have our own doctrines, and wear our own apparel, have our own standard of righteousness. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. Oh, they've got to have that name, brethren the name Christian. They want to be looked upon as Christian to take away their reproach. What's the reproach? The reproach is a false teachings, false worship. But if, if they can present themselves as a Christian church, that takes away their reproach. That takes away the reproach. She has to have that up in front, that name, Christian Church, so that people will not think ill of them. But so many times this verse is read over very scantily, not really taking in what it's talking about, what's referring to. Because our whole future depends upon us feasting upon the truth that comes from the mail of the true church. That's feeding the people the true gospel, the teachings of the scriptures. <clears throat> Our closing text is found in Revelation, the 19th chapter. Oh, yes, the church of God is not very big. Is not very big. But yet she has a promise. 
that no one else can possess. Revelation 19, verses 7 and 8. John says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. He speaks in the future tense here, even though that the wedding hasn't taken place yet. His wife hath made herself ready. Today is the getting ready period of time. Today is a preparation time in which we need to prepare ourselves. Verse 8. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. In checking your memory, when you go to a wedding, the young lady is dressed out in white, clean, Invariably, they say, oh, she was a beautiful bride. She was a beautiful bride. I wonder what, or how Christ feels about his wife. Dressed in clean white. Representing purity. Oh, she's beautiful. The church that I died for. The church that produced the food, the spiritual food for the people to partake of, to keep them strong in the, in the faith. To be ready when I return. Brethren, there's many more scriptures that I could have brought, but I only have so many minutes to present them. There are two women mentioned in the scriptures, and it, they are important to our salvation. Just because we're the least or the smallest of the two, that does not indicate that we're not important. We are, for Christ is going to come back and claim his bride. And it's going to be the one which is working at the mill, grinding out the food for the people to eat that will keep them spiritually strong until the end of time. God bless us, is my prayer.